Let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, and their nets break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they begun, began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished. And all that were with him, they were astonished at the drought of fish which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I don't know that you will pay attention to this, and this has nothing to do with what I want to preach today. And if I was going to seminary, they'd teach me not to do this. But I don't know if you catch it. I think it's a general idea I want to give you, and I don't want you to think through when you read your Bible. Luke was an educated man, right? He was a doctor. John, Peter, James. James shows a little more education in his writing than Peter and John. And uh, I love the... the it, it, it even carries from the Greek through to the English the education that Luke had. Do you see... Do you notice how everything Luke writes, beautiful sentence structure... Beautiful words that you don't read as much as I do, I know, but that means something to me. And I want to challenge you to look at it that way, that when old, Peter, when old uh, Luke writes, you can see his education coming forth through his writing. And I guess I want to say education is important. We have a vice president that never wrote a paper for college because she cannot con get her thoughts into a sentence or in a paragraph. And I'll be honest with you, before I took my college, I came here and then, then, then started college. My preaching had, had very, no evidence of any structure to it whatsoever. But after writing papers, four years of, of uh, communication courses, I may not be able to speak very good English, but I do know how to read it and listen to it and appreciate it. I've still got cooter in the way I talk and the way I sentence structure, and forgive me for that. <laughs> but now when you read old John, there's not, a, there's not a big word in John's writing. He's just old common fisherman writing. He loved Jesus. He was young. But you see, that, and when God chose John, he chose him to write things that need simplicity. When he chose Luke, he wrote things that need to have authority and need to have clear understanding to it. I just wanted to say that because as I was reading Luke there, I just the sentence structure, like I said, I, I can't speak and I don't write very well, but I can appreciate good sentence structure. 
And I will say, when I read an article that Keith wrote uh, to all the Snap-on company a few weeks ago, I thank God that he sent me that. It was so, so well organized that I was actually interested in batteries when I got done reading, and I had no desire to read about batteries when I started. And then I quickly text uh, Keith that Linda wrote that, didn't she? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, didn't. Uh, he, I guarantee you she proved it for him. And Daniel, what do I always tell you? You can't proof your own writing. <laughs> I've went over that with every secretary we've had. You can't proof your own writing. Someone else has to read it. You wrote it that way the first time, and it makes sense the second time. But you'll be surprised what you don't have right if someone will proof it for you. All right, that was all advertisement. Commercial, extra, no charge, no charge. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11 it's one of the records, uh, one of the speaking events that Jesus was involved in. Verse 1 says it took place by the Lake Generet. Lake Generet. And, you know, I, I've been there. And since I've been there, I don't know. I have to tamp it down. I want to talk so much about the fact that I've been there and what I saw. And uh, in January, David and I got to go there, as most of you know. But Lake Generet has three names, doesn't it? They, they referred to uh, in, in three different ways. The Sea of Galilee, uh, Sea of Tiberias. Tiberias is a, we stayed all night in Tiberias a few days. And uh, so it's got three names, and that's one of them. It's, it's used there. The crowd was growing larger at each of these events, if you look in chapter 5. And actually, see, Luke is trying to build... He's building on the story. He's telling about Jesus. He, he got us introduced to who he was in chapter 2. He's the son of God, virgin born. Chapter 3, he's baptized by John, and, and, and that's the main theme. But ch chapter 4, generalized what Jesus is doing in his ministry, what, he, <clears throat> what he's going to do. <clears throat> chapter 5 gives us illustrations of, of the growing cloud, crowds. <clears throat> and we'll learn from the Gospels that the crowds continue to grow until Jesus has some hard sayings in the book of John, chapter 6, where many of his followers quit following him anymore. And actually, Jesus was probably on purpose making the sermons more just down to the heart, nail the heart down, and challenging people because he was going to the cross. But in chapter 5, he's telling us, Luke is telling us that the crowds are growing larger and so large here that they're pressing him and they're about to push Jesus into the water. The crowd is going. So so he, he hops into one of the ships. There's two of them there, and there's a reason for that. He hops in this ship, and I guarantee you he picked out Peter's on purpose. He knew who it was. He, he hops into Peter's uh, ship, and he says, Hey, push me out. Now, the, they were out cleaning their nets. They've been fishing all night. Now we we'll look here in the text at verse three. <clears throat> it says, and, "And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. More unnecessary stuff, interesting to preachers. Do you realize that uh, 
D.L. Moody, Spurgeon, and all those great preachers used to preach to 10,000 people at a time. How in the world did all those people hear? We are in a building that if I didn't have this microphone on, many of you couldn't hear a word I say. And we have advanced in technology, but we have not advanced in ability to make sound. They had sounding boards in those in those auditoriums where those men spoke, and they could hear. And actually, this building is designed that if you would go up into the balcony, you can hear me plainer up there without a microphone on than you can down here because of the bouncing sound. But Jesus, see, he was maybe the inventor of this or probably was done before. He goes out into the lake, and he's bouncing his voice off the water. And a multitude of people are hearing him. Thank you, honey. I, I needed that. So he's, he's using technology. Nothing wrong with that. So he, he's, he's reaching out to people. God, because of God's love, he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's reaching out to the people. He's communicating to people. And it says in their text, they pressed upon him to hear the word of God. They wanted to hear the Word of God. And, and that's, that's something Jesus brought it out, made it clear. And so he's using Peter here. Peter, I want to use your ship. Now this is the second occasion where the Lord had met with Peter. Peter was introduced to Jesus by Andrew, his brother. And uh, now the second time Jesus particularly goes out to this place where he knows Peter's ship is. God comes to him just as he came to you and came to me. I'm sure the whole event was a part of the Lord's plan to reach out to Peter, James, and John and make disciples out of them. So after the message, the Lord uh, says, okay, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to show you something. I'm going I'm to I'm entice you to know more. And we so we read in our text in verse 4, and it says, and now... When they had left speaking, when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a drought. So Peter does what Peter does, doesn't he? He gives a skeptical answer. In chapter uh, 5, verse 5, he says, And Simon answered him, Lord, Master, I've told all night. I can I can just I can just add to that. I know Luke didn't include everything. I'm worn out. I'm frustrated. We didn't catch anything. I'm as mad at James and John as I could be right now. I like to strangle them. But I tell you what I'm gonna do, because you have already influenced my life. I'm gonna I'm gonna launch out just just to prove that you don't know what you're talking about. Wouldn't that be Peter? I'm going to prove you don't know what you're talking about. I'm a professional fisherman, and here you are, a carpenter. And you're trying to tell me how to be a fisherman. Now, we don't do it with that audacity to the Lord, but we do it anyway. We already know, don't we? We've got to be careful when we think we know. We never know what God's going to do. So Peter, I think, in his pride, said, all right, we're going to do it. But... Uh, Jesus, on this occasion, proves that he's God and proves of his knowledge. I remember another occasion in Matthew chapter 17 where, you remember the tax collector came and, you know, the taxman always shows up when, you know, when you least expect him. 
And, and just when you got a little money saved ahead, that's when they show up uh, to get their part. And so the tax man showed up, and Peter comes to Jesus and said, the tax man's here, and I haven't been working. I've been following you around and, and, and listening to you preach, and now i got to pay the tax man. And what did Jesus do? Jesus said, go cast your line out there. He said, first fetch you catch, reach in his mouth, take a coin, and give it to the tax man. Isn't it amazing how the Lord provides? It's just out of thin air. God put a, he said, there's a fish down there somewhere in, in the Sea of Galilee. Send him over there, let him pick out a particular hook, and let him grab hold that hook. And when old Peter pulls him out of the water, pull the coin out of his mouth and pay the tax. And the tax man was well satisfied. God well satisfies us when he does give us something. He, he does more than he needs to. So God's in charge of things. And, you know, we think that we're in charge. And we think it's up to us. Now, it's up to us to be available. It's up to us to be faithful. But it's God that gives the increase. It's God that blesses. Jesus said, hey, little fish, run up there and get on that hook. And God can work that way in our lives. Folks, uh, our vision as a Christian needs to be expanded to bigger things and believe in more. We need to realize that there's a God in heaven. We need to live with faith like there's a God in heaven that wants to bless our life, wants to use us in life, and wants to do something. He's bigger than our own self-interest. And when our focus is only on our self-interest and what we want to do, that is a form of idolatry. I want to challenge you to expand your thoughts. Look at the bigger picture of what God is doing. Now, Peter and others... They caught a big amount of fish. They, man, it, it, it's in verse uh, 5, and he said, We caught nothing. Nevertheless, your word will cast it down. Verse 6, And when they had done, uh, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish. And the nets break. Peter said, I know I needed to buy that new set of nets that they had done there. My nets are breaking. Now, we'll see here why they had to have two ships. It got so full of fish that they had to bring the other ship out there to fill the ships with the fish. God, God brought an abundant overflow of, of fish, of blessings to Peter, James, and John and those men. And there's some things we need to learn here. How did this happen? What's well, a miracle of God, right? But what did they have to do? What was their involvement? Uh, from what's, what do we learn from the experience of, of Peter that we can apply to our life and, and so that we can catch more fish or whatever we're trying to obtain? Uh, what's the object lesson from the fish all getting in the net? What's that object lesson? What do we learn? There's three things. Number one, we need to listen. If you look back at verse 4, now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, are you listening to God? Are you listening to God? Hey, we go to prayer. Prayer is important. But did you know that prayer should be a two-way street? 
Not only we are talking to God, but we need to be listening to God. And God gave us two ears, one mouth. We ought to listen twice as much as we talk. We need to listen to God. And so the, the first object lesson from this situation, listen to what the Lord said. If, you know, some people don't listen at all. We need to learn to hear God's voice. Jesus said in John 10, My sheep, they know me. What else? They hear my voice. And they really hear because they follow me. If we don't follow, we haven't really heard. You know, there's two hearings that we have. We have a physical ear and we have a spiritual ear. Not only do we need to hear with our physical ear, we need to hear in our soul. We need to hear in our heart. We need to hear what is really going on. What is God really saying? The surface of what you hear is not always the reality of what God is saying. You can make an assumption. I do it all the time. You, you do it all. We make an assumption. We know what's going on. We may not, till we think through it, until we think through it with the Holy Spirit, we may not really be hearing what's going on. Some event in your life may just be a terrible event. It just is a terrible thing that, that happens to you. And your first thought is, this is terrible. This is from the devil. The devil is doing this. This is terrible. This is from my enemies. This is against me. It's against me. It's against me. That's what you see with your physical eyes and your physical sense. But if you pray through that thing and think through, you may discover that it was the best thing that ever happened to you. I lost my job. You had to lose that job before you got that better job. God is involved in the events of our lives. What do we need to do? We need to listen. Learn. That's the first object lesson from listen, 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 hear. And you know, that's the thing in Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy teaches us that the first thing they taught Hebrew children. What's the first thing they taught Hebrew children? I'm going to put it in a question. Hear. Not H-E-R-E-H-E-A-R. Have ears to hear. What did Jesus say often? He that hath ears, let him hear. What's the emphasis? What's the, that's an English uh, 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 phrase. What's it? He said, just because you have ears don't mean that you're really listening. Really listen. Really learn. As a Christian, your Christian life, you, you, you get into the Word, and that makes a difference. It gives you a foundation to hear. But you've got to learn to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and learn to really hear what God is saying, really hear what's really going on. What, what does Romans 10, 17 say? I can't, I can't quote it right now. I'm done lost. Put, shoot it up there on the screen if you can. It's about hearing. I, I can't get started. Somebody help me. What is it? Ten seventeen. Y'all all know it. I, I'm old. I can get I get an excuse not to remember something. Faith comes by y'all gave me long enough to think. Faith comes by hearing. Okay, don't get wrong. Don't get messed up on that. You you I read that wrong for twenty years. I did not understand that for twenty years. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing 
comes by the word of God. Step one, hearing comes by the word of God. You read the word of God and it teaches you to hear. You got it? Took me 20 years or more to figure that out. I read it wrong. I read it as one step. Faith comes by hearing. So you hear the Word of God and the Word of God fills your faith. That's not right. Hearing comes by the Word of God. You've got to tune in. How many of you got a radio? You, you got a knob on that radio? I like them old knobs, don't you? This is Cape Girardeau speaking. You got to tune in, don't you? Tune in. Hearing comes by the way. How do you, you're tuning in when you're reading God's word? Faith comes by hearing. Faith doesn't come by the word of God directly. It's indirectly. Faith comes by hearing God. My sheep know my voice. They hear me, they follow me. John 10, 29, I believe. I think it's 29. We need to learn to hear God. So, hey, I spent too much time there listening, 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 learn to hear. What's the second thing we learn? Launch out. Launch out. A lot of people want to sit on the premises and expect God to bless them, expect God to use them, expect the church to grow, expect people to get saved. Launch out! You can't just sit there on the bank and catch fish. The reason you're not catching any fish, the number one reason why this group is not catching any fish, we're not going fishing. Now we can talk about the, the, the equipment that we need. We can talk about the technique that we need. We can talk about the position we, and where we need to. We can talk about all those complicated issues about catching fish. But the first thing you've got to learn is you've got to launch. You've got to go. I'm going to catch some fish. I ain't catching nothing until I get into the water or beside the water. We're not going to see God work in our life until we get the principle here first and launch. Got to get out of the kiddie pool. You know, you, you've seen it. You've seen all the time. You see this little fella. He's out there and he's swimming. But what he really is is just walking on the on the kiddie pool water. And he says, "I'm swimming." Well, a lot of Christians are living that way. We act like we're swimming. In reality, we're just faking. You've got to get out of the kiddie pool. Launch out. Hey, you going to church Sunday morning? Launch out. Go on Sunday night. Launch out. Go on. Launch out. Go visit. Launch out. Uh, witness to your neighbors. Launch out. Get out of the comfort zone. Oh, the comfort zone. I love the comfort zone. I got one up at the house up there. It's called a, it's called a, a recliner, and it's got a push-button plug-in, and boy, it makes me mad when it comes unplugged because I want that comfort. You don't catch any fish sitting in that comfort chair. You can talk about it. You can brag about it. You can talk about what happened yesterday. But, folks, we got to launch out. We God will bless those that hear and those that launch out. Luke 14, Luke 14, verse 23. I love this verse. The Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges 
and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that verse was written for southeast Missouri. Go into the highways and then the hedges and compel them to come in. Are you doing that? Maybe that's why you're not catching any fish. You've got to go. What's the Great Commission? Who knows the Great Commission? Who knows where it's found? It's found written in, in, uh, it's in all the Gospels if you include the book of Acts with the book of Luke. It's all four Gospels then. Acts, a continuation of Luke. Uh, what's the first word in the, in the Great Commission? Two-letter word in it. Is that complicated? It didn't say sit. It didn't say sit. And let your preacher preach the gospel. It said go. You want rewards in heaven? You want to see people saved? You want to see people come to Christ? You want to see a difference in your neighborhood? You want to see a difference in the joy in your own heart? I'll tell you what, I'm not going to call anybody by name, but I've watched a, a young lady get saved here at the church a few months ago, and I've seen her bring other people to church, and they get saved. And I'll tell you what, joy. I see joy. J-O-Y. Jesus, others, and yourself and that girl's life. What's Luke 14, 23? And the Lord said to his servants, Are we a servant? Are we a servant? You say, no, maybe that's the problem. Are you a servant to Jesus? No, I'm not a servant. I'm, I'm a son. Well, every son ought to be a servant. Amen? Every daughter ought to be a servant. He said to his servants, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them. The church in America wants to have a hoopla experience. They want to walk on the pews. They want to have a, a great music thing that just moves them. And I'm going to tell you something. You can move so that you just have such joy and such fun and enjoyment. And all oh, this music. Oh, oh, that preacher boy. He's just a oh, oh, man. I was, what did you accomplish if you don't go? Go into the highways and hedges. Launch out. Amen, preacher. That's good preaching. I don't want to hear good preaching. I want to hear truth from God's Word. Go. What's the third thing? What's the third thing? Let down the net. You can just go and waste time. You've got to go. Let down the net. Give people an opportunity to be saved. Oh, they don't want, they don't want to hear from me. Uh, uh, you know, when it comes to fishing and baseball, you know, football, some people just love to collect the gear. I mean, you can see people, they can wear a fishing outfit. Boy, you think, man, there's a real fisherman. Or you can see a person dressed in a... I, I watch people go to a Cardinal game and they got their Cardinal shirt on and man, it, it's, the, it's the $150 one, you know. It's a, is that a ball player? No, it's a fan. That's a fan. How many remember the study? We're going to do it again to, to groups that haven't experienced it this fall. How many remember the study we did on not a fan? And everybody said, not a fan, I don't like that. And it really, first time you look at it, you say, not a fan? You mean I, I'm not a fan of Jesus? I want to be a fan of Jesus. The object lesson of the book was that you don't need to be a fan. You need to be more than a fan. You need to be a player. 
What do fans do? They sit up in the stage, stadium, drink uh, liquids, eat corn dogs, hot dogs, chips, and get fat. That's not, we're not to use that word, are we? Get fat. While the players prepare, commit, work hard, sacrifice, and play their best. We need to be a player, not a fan, when it comes to Jesus. We've got to watch out. He said, let down your nets. Why are you not catching fish? When's the last time you went fishing? Jesus said in uh, Matthew 4, 19, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus wants us to be a fisher of men. Men and women, boys and girls. Now, although in the text Peter was skeptical, he obeyed the Lord. Now, I'll tell you the truth, I've been very skeptical before. And I've, I've, I, I, I try to... I try to not be. I try to be positive, but I've been very skeptical. But you can be skeptical. I can't even say the word now. Skeptical. But you need to obey his voice, even if you're skeptical. Verse 5, he said, And Simon answered, said to the master, We have toiled all night. We have toiled all night. And we have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, Peter, I know if I was there, I would have been the same way. I would have had the same attitude. But Peter, sitting here in 2023, this preacher figured it out this week. He figured out what the problem was. I know why you didn't catch any fish, Peter. Why did you not catch any fish? Because Jesus wasn't with you. Jesus wasn't with you. If Jesus had been there that night, they'd caught fish. Well, they'd got done early, amen? But they fished all night and caught nothing. Church, church, listen to me. We can spend money on everything. We can buy everything. We can work hard to make it look good. We can even go out and buy buses and we can get on the buses. And everybody, everybody ought to buy their own church van, 15 pastors, and go out and fill it up with children and bring them to church every Sunday. I recommend that. We need to vote to do it. But listen, we can do all of that if the Lord is not with us. We'll catch nothing. We're not catching anything if we're not trying to fish with Jesus. You know, we need to fish for Jesus. But it'd be better if we'd fish with Jesus. Peter had fished all night. Caught nothing. Should that, if we think about that, 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 that should convict us. You know, the Bible was written in such a way that preachers could pull a, 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 a something out of it and preach it. And man, you can preach that. You can fish all night and catch nothing if you don't have Jesus with you in the boat. Now look what he said. Nevertheless, at thy word. Listen, you, you can be a skeptic. You can be on the wrong page. You can have a bad attitude. You have a bad day. You have a bad night. I'm tired, worn out. Don't even want to be here today. Nevertheless, at thy word. Now, that's a, that's a recovery for grumpy old men. I fight hard not to be a grumpy old man. 
And I've got some of you old guys right now. I've I just seen you move. I know i got your number. Grumpy old men, there's hope. If you'll just say, Lord, nevertheless, at thy word. The results was, and when they had done this, and they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, a fish, and their nets break. Wow. It wouldn't have been no fun at all if that net was perfect. I mean, you know, preacher, I'm going to go, I'm going to take a bus when y'all buy a better bus, when y'all get a real good one, when you get the one I want, I'm going to start on in a bus. You can't do that. You can't be in charge and do anything for God. You've got to surrender. Surrender. Jesus, I will go preach when I find the right place to preach. You'll never go. There's no place God will put you. You've got to be willing to go wherever God puts you. I'll take the job at church when it's the one I want. You see a problem with that? I've had people come with me, I, I promise you. Preacher, I, I want to serve the Lord. I, I want to help out. And they even say something anyway I can. But then I bring something to them. Well, don't say no. Just don't do anything. Wasn't the right one. Wasn't the one they wanted. I tell you what, don't do this because it's got me in the mess I'm in today. But when I surrendered to God at 18 years old, when I surrendered to God, I'm, here's, here's, here's what I did. Whatever they asked me to do, I'm going to do it. Whatever, here's my attitude. Whatever they give me a chance to do, I'm going to do it. I found myself going with the preacher to the hospital. I found myself going on visitation. I found myself in a 66 passenger bus and had me a bus driver. And I even found myself many times my bus driver said, Hey, I want to take off after church today, go eat lunch with the family. Would you mind driving the bus? Yeah, I'll drive the bus. I remember driving by his house be about 10 cars out there and I'd say oh I wish I was at my family's house having fried chicken right now you driving an old bus no driving more like that right you gotta be willing you gotta surrender you gotta surrender it don't work if you're still being God it don't work it won't work okay so six Seven, and he beckoned the partners, and I'm beckoning for partners today. And he beckoned, he beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. What if old John and James was in their boat over there and said, No, we're not going to come over and help you. God's going to have to do something over here. No, they got in and God blessed them. There was more fish than both ships could hold. Wow, that's God's blessing. You know what? You know one of the great hindrance to the work of the Lord is who gets the credit. Who gets the credit? I want the credit. I want the credit. 
I want John James could have laid over and wanted the credit all day long and it wasn't going to happen. But they just surrendered, they gave in, and they went over there and they got their boat filled with fish. Not worried about who was getting the credit. Both ships about to sink. Greater fishing than ever before. And here's what happened. Peter, he had a spiritual encounter as a result of it. Let me ask you, have you ever had a spiritual encounter with God? If you're saved, you did. But have you ever had another one? And if you haven't, you're probably backslidden. No, I didn't get saved again. I just got drawn closer. I just got realigned. I just got drawn into where I need to be. How many encounters do you have with the Lord? You don't have one every day. You don't have one every church service. You don't, and, and you know, these people that have it, one every time they go to church, it's faking it till they're making it. Just full of it. Full of self. But on occasion, you need an encounter with the Lord that changes your life. Well, I got saved. Well, that's not enough. Well, sure, I get you to heaven, but it won't get you where you need to be as a Christian. So Peter has a spiritual encounter. Look at verse 8. And when Simon Peter saw it, when he saw it, the Bible says, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me. For I'm a sinful man, O Lord. What does the spiritual encounter do? Does it build you up and make you feel like you're a better person? No, it knocks you down and makes you wonder why God ever saved you to start with. And I'm an unfit servant. That's the attitude an encounter with God gives you. Listen, everybody that tells you I had an encounter with God and now I'm walking on cloud nine, I don't know that they had an encounter with God. They may have an encounter with a positive thinking. When I've had my encounters with God, it always humbles me. It always breaks me. And instead of me saying, God, why hadn't you done this? And God, why haven't you done that? And God, I've been doing this. And you, 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 I won't go so far as to say, but I'm thinking it all. But when I have that encounter to God, I'm just glad I'm saved. He fell down at Jesus' knees. It humbled him. He said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. It made him see himself like he really was. If you're moving up as a Christian, you're going the wrong direction. You need to be moving down. Being more grateful for who he is and what he's done and what you have. More grateful that you're so undeserving. Do you feel undeserving? That's The way up is down with God. You hear me? The way up is down. Don't raise yourself up by your bootstraps. That's religion. Humble yourself down. That's the Christian way. And let God lift you up. Now, we need this, this experience where we see ourselves like we really are as sinful, where we're ashamed of ourselves. Oh, I hate that. I, I know I'm not the only person that's had the experience where God just, you had a spiritual encounter with God and you just feel so ashamed. Isn't that a wonderful, no, it's a terrible experience, but it really is a wonderful experience. I'm a sinful man, oh Lord. Got both sides of it. I'm a sinful man, Lord. Remember when old Saul was Saul of Tarsus? He was 
breathing threat and doing religious things and he was building the kingdom of God in his own mind and he's on the road to Damascus and he was struck down. He said, Who are you, Lord? He got his attitude adjustment. And it says in verse 9, And he was astonished. He was astonished, and all of the others were astonished with him at the amount of fish which they had taken. God showed them something bigger than themselves, showed them something that could be done that they didn't think could be done. He moved among them, and something great happened. This experience that was external got internal. It just wasn't everybody out there. It got in here. And that's the way of salvation. It's in our heart. It, we work it out. If you, all you ever see and experience is the joy of the external, you miss the real joy of the internal work of God in your spirit. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Verse 10, And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee's, which were partners with Simon. It, it got over all of them. Now listen, this started out, they're washing their nets, frustrated and aggravated because they caught nothing. Jesus comes into the scene and he says, Peter, can I use your ship? Would you you mind casting it? Lord, I'm worn out. But, yeah, you're the Lord. I'm going to let you do it. He gets done talking. He gets done having church. And the Lord says, because you have obeyed, take your boat out. Peter's hesitant, skeptical. He takes his ship out. He said, cast your nets out here. He cast his nets out there, more fish than he can contain in the nets. It begins to break. Peter gets John and James, their fish is over there, and they're all there. Listen, can we see that God rewards our obedience, our faithfulness to follow him, to trust him, to do his will? Can we see that? That if you'll follow the Lord, listen to the Lord, learn to hear the Lord, launch out, cast your net, that he'll bless your life. Mark 10, 29. Listen, when you put limits on God, God, this is all I'm going to do. This is what I'm willing to do. When you put limits on God, you might as well expect nothing in return. When you say, God, this is what I'm going to do, this is all you can count on, we ought to be 100% in. 100% in. Preacher, I'll, I'll, I'll drive that bus when y'all get a good one. No, that's not 100% in. Preacher, I'll do whatever I can with whatever we have until we can do better, and I'm going to keep doing until I can't. That's in. Are you in? Are you just touching your toes in the water? I know why you're not catching any fish. You're not going fishing. you got to go fishing. Then you got to learn how to fish. Mark 10, 29 and 30, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house 
or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in this world and in the world to come everlasting life, eternal life. You can't lose with God. That is a guarantee. He said you can't lose with God. I remember it was 1983. I was as happy as I could be serving the Lord as a youth pastor in our home church. Just been married, got my only daughter, my first daughter born there. And I we just built a new home and we was living in our, our about, what, 12 or 1,300 square feet home, our first one. We're going to build it and sell it, do another one, do the little deal like you do. And, and I had a business and I was running my business. My wife was a stay-at-home mother. My sister was my main secretary. My dad worked in the business with me. We had a couple other employees and part-time sometimes and just serving the Lord and, and just happy as I'm Lord. And then I got this phone call from this dumb guy named Dale DeVault. got a phone call from Dale Revolt. And I remember telling Debbie, I said, I'm just going to go up there and let them buy me a steak and come home. That's what I said to her. I'm just going to let them buy me dinner and come home. We, we, done, we done had it picked out where we wanted the pastor. It was a small church south of Kennett, around Zenith over there, and I enjoyed going there. First Sunday I was there, we had 12 people. The last Sunday I preached there, we had over 30 there. Oh, I can run my I run my routes through there. I could just check on the church. Oh, it's just where I wanted. You know, I, I could call the name of that church out in the middle of that cotton patch. Met this dude. He was bald-headed then. It's just as he is now. Had this fancy suit on. Looked like, well, I'm telling you, he looked like an insurance salesman. I sat down, and old Ralph and Calvin and uh, Mike and Lawrence, and I could go on around the table, was there, and we got to talking, and they started asking the right questions. Long story short, I sold my business, lost money <laughs> that I could have made if I took more time. My wife was teaching school at the Christian school. I had to leave that. Left our home. Sold our home. Later on, spent the money on kids going to school. Didn't come out too good like that. Been here 40 years this fall. God has blessed us abundantly. Houses and homes. Friends, I was at a friend's house last night. I went to a friend's house last night. Some Christian folks here that had other people over in their home, and and I was sitting there, and they was teaching the Bible to a bunch of people that don't know much about Scripture, and brought me a big old plate of food, best rolls I've had in years, and uh, sitting there just eating that, just enjoy. 
my brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers and sisters and children on the way out. You know, I don't think of you as my pastor. I think of you more like you're my grandfather. I said, I want to be your brother, not your grandfather. <laughs> no, I, I didn't, but you know what I mean if you're getting my age. Lord, quit calling me that. God's good all the time. You can't leave anything that he don't bless you with more of. You ought to read that sometime, Mark 10, 29, and 30. Well, what are we going to say? You've got to look out beyond yourself. You've got to look out beyond yourself and look at the bigger things beyond your own control. That's where faith starts working. If it's all under your control, if it's all under your management, you ain't looking out. You're looking in. Jesus said, boys, you're catching fish. You ain't seen nothing yet of what you're going to catch if you follow me. And then we see verse 10. He said, fear not. From henceforth, you shall catch men. I'm going to tell you something. The hardest thing I've ever done in my life is pastor. Hardest thing I've ever done in my life is catching men. You know, there's all kinds of ambitions I've had in life, and I've got to experience some of them to certain degrees. And, and I, think, I think I've got myself in the most difficult position I could ever be in. Is that not where God wants you? Is that not where God wants you? Oh, preacher, I want to get in this place where I know this and I know that and I master it. Where's your faith? Let me ask something. Why are you not catching any fish? How did they transition from fishing for fish to fishing for men? We see it in verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all. And followed him. They forsook all. And followed him. They forsook all. I don't know what degree. God wants you to do that. But, but to serve God. And to be blessed. And to see things. Sometimes you have to forsake your mother. And your father. I remember four months after I got here. Looking out that same old door. That's been there for 40 years. No I finally changed it. Looking out that window and said, I miss my mother. I was 30 years almost. I said, I miss my mother. I miss Sunday afternoon dinner. I miss going by dad and seeing him and mom and my friends. I had a great fellowship of friends when we left. We had to forsake it to follow Jesus. I'm going to close by saying this. The message today has not got any of us going, praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. But has God spoken to your heart? That's where God works, right there. Let's pray. Jesus first. Jesus most. Our heads are bowed. Let's quietly stand as our musicians come. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us to forsake all and follow you.
God may not call you to leave home. He may not call you to leave your job. God, God doesn't often ask you to do things like that. He sometimes does. But you've got to be willing to forsake all. And if you're willing, He knows it. And if you're willing, you may not have to do it. But they forsook all. Follow Jesus. Is there something in your life you need to leave behind so you can truly follow Jesus? Won't you come here to this altar this morning and say, Lord, I'm going to lay this thing down. I'm going to forsake this and I'm going to follow you. I've got my wishes and my dreams and my heart's desires and I'm going to lay them here. If you let me keep them, I'm going to keep them. But if you want them, here they are, Jesus. I'm going to give them to you. Whatever you need to lay down, you lay it down. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your... Whatever it is. You don't have to lay it down. You just got to be willing it's my Sunday nights, it's my Wednesdays, it's my Saturday mornings, it's my, it's my prayer time. I don't want to give no time to prayer. I don't want to give no time to, to Bible. I don't want to give any time. Lay it down. Be willing. If you're willing, that's all that matters. Anyone else need to come? Let's sing that out. Just as I am